When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway on this Thursday edition. Glad you're with us across the network, which includes the YouTube channel. We hope you'll like and subscribe while you're there by searching out OutKick and this great radio partner. As we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Ross Tucker will join us, host of the Ross Tucker podcast. He will be with us in about 30 minutes. He'll give us his take on the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins where there are multiple reports that the Patriots are interested, the Bills maybe, but not immediately, and much more. And then the rumor that he may want to play for the Texans again, which is kind of crazy. We'll get Ross's take coming up in 30. Uh, plus, Armando Salguero joins us each and every Thursday. That'll be in hour number two. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Happy to have you back for the full show yes, today. Yes, good to be back. Uh, great work yesterday. With the NIL event you hosted with uh, with Livy Dunn, who is um, a sensation, I guess is how we would describe her. Uh, There's a, no one else like sensation. Yeah, no There's, one's uh, pulling the money on NIL like she does. Yeah, it got uh, the the event got rave reviews, and and your part of it got rave reviews as well. So job well done there. Recap is good. Up good at, to have you back at the site outkick.com. Yep. We'll have a, a couple of uh, her points that were made later in the show as well from from the uh, the, the Q and A session that uh, we were a part of there. With on three, um, but it's good to have you back. Yeah, great to be, be good. Back. Good great show to be today. back, Chad. Um, the Nuggets, the Nuggets. They are in. As I like to call them. They're not back in the NBA Finals. They've made it to the NBA Finals for the first time, and all the pressure should be on this team. We mentioned this going into the playoffs. Game one tonight against the Heat, the eight seed, and there. Here's the 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 top seed in the West that I don't think has really felt all that much pressure throughout this postseason. They're that good, but also kind of hidden away in the focus of the, the first part of the playoffs. And now they're facing uh, the, the finals opponent that is a huge underdog against the most complete team in the association, which are the Denver Nuggets. I still don't think they're feeling the heat, pardon the pun. But Miami, I don't know how they match up with Jokic. They have a big size advantage in Denver. When game one tonight, I don't think this is going to be a long series. I, I don't think Miami lays down. I think Jimmy Butler is certainly capable of taking over a game. But if the Nuggets don't feel the pressure, they should. Because it is going to be a massive failure if they lose this NBA Finals against this Miami Heat team based on the matchup that we've seen. And I know they played twice, single-digit games both times. This is a Nuggets team that is... Full stride, fully rested. Meanwhile, the Heat have had to go the long, hard route throughout the postseason. And now they face game one in what is going to be a great atmosphere and a Nuggets team that is a heavy favorite tonight in Las Vegas. Well, and a Nuggets team also that's you know been around since the 1970s as, a, as, a, as an organization moving over from the ABA to the NBA that's never been to an NBA Finals. 
So yeah. that's the added pressure of, hey, this is this is uncharted territory for us as an organization. Never even been here. Let's capitalize against the number eight seed. You get to your first finals and it's against a number eight seed. I, I, I'm with you. I think there's a the pressure. There's pressure on one side or the other. It's definitely on the Nuggets now. Having watched this team throughout this playoff run, they do a ridiculously good job of not showing pressure. They don't seem like a group that gets tight. No. Uh, they are one of the best heat check teams I've seen, and pun intended now that they're playing the <laughs> Miami Heat. But uh, Jamal Murray is he is a guy who's going gonna, gonna to put it up. And once he gets going, he is one of the best shooters in the league when, when he gets hot. But it's just a, it, they don't look like a group that's feeling any pressure. Hopefully that continues for the Nuggets going into this game final, this NBA Finals game one tonight. Yeah, they they defended Joel Embiid well, you know, but th- this is uh, and how they defended uh, the the 76ers. But this is different uh, with just how balanced Denver can be. Uh, speaking of Colorado, you hinted at this yesterday, I believe, or earlier this week, the start of the season for Deion Sanders and the Buffaloes uh, of Colorado. Not only. Or it's going to be uh, great matchups. They're facing TCU and Nebraska. Week one on the road at TCU. Week two at home, the, the home opener for Prime. Both are going to be on Fox. And these could be big blowouts with Prime Time <laughs> yes. on the sideline. They want Dion on the television. But this is a Colorado team that won a game last year. They're turning over the not just the starters. They're turning over the entire roster, practically. All the scholarship players, for sure. And they're facing TCU out of the gate. A, a lot of change there, too. That's not going to be a very compelling matchup. And then Nebraska, under Matt Rule, against this Colorado team in year one for Deion Sanders. Chad, this is... I realize why he's on Fox and why it's the national game. But, man, this... This could get ugly right from, from the, the headlines in September for the way the team is currently constructed. Well, this is brilliant by Fox, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because they, they pay the bills. Um, get Dion early because this team's going to be atrocious. So if you're going to schedule them in a national window on big noon kickoff, those first two weeks the time to do it because I do think people's interest will wane as we get into October with this team, because I just think they're going to be that bad. We're also going to find out about Shadur Sanders pretty quickly. Yes. So the over-under Hutton on wins for Colorado going into this year is three. Okay? Pick out three wins of this of this schedule. Okay. At TCU, Nebraska, no. Colorado State at home, at Oregon, USC at home, at Arizona State, at home against Stanford, at UCLA, Oregon State at home, Arizona at home, at Washington State, at Utah. That is not going to be easy for a team with the numbers of, I mean, looking at it, Arizona's not going to be very good. They get them at home, maybe. Uh, Arizona State with a new coach, a possibility on the road. Colorado State, going to be a tough, that's always a tough game, tough rivalry game at home. That's doable. It's, um, again, I'm taking if you're going to get prime in 2023 and putting prime in prime time, make sure it's early. And that's what Fox did here with that early window of the big noon kickoff game because I think people will lose interest quickly with him and his team. Now, that's not to say they're not still going to make headlines. And the, the building of that program in his image 
yep. is going to continue to make headlines. And I, I think it will but, be a success ultimately. But the that this this year's team just won't be all that interesting because they're not going to be winning games or really competing. I think against good competition this year. So, but I also think it's going to be a, a bit of an unfair uh, assessment of what he's doing there. Oh, um, th- this is this the, is the, the narrative. The narrative will be they're not ready for this at Colorado. Because and that, that's a dumb. A, that's a dumb. Narrative. It's a lot like the 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 year that the Cleveland Browns were the talk of the offseason, right? And they go in with uh, Hugh Jackson and all, and they, I mean, they lay an egg all season long. Baker Mayfield was that 2018, I believe. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Colorado for the first time in a long time. You know, the images of the spring game. Yep. You've got uh, all the talk about what, the what transfer did you portal. Call them Yellowstone? The, yeah, the Yellowstone, Yellow, Yellowstone on the sideline. You've got uh, Deion Dutton on the sideline. Uh, I hope he wears the hat on game days. But point being, like, it, I think it, I'm not going to rush and judge based on the fact that right out of the shoot, they're facing two tough opponents on Fox on national TV where the final score is not going to be pretty. Yeah, it's let's go ahead and jump out ahead of that on this show. Yeah. And say that it's foolish if you're going to judge Dion by on field results this year. That that this is going to be no. Now, he may do some dumb things on the sideline or say some dumb things or do something, and then we can nitpick that and say, okay, sure. Is he ready for a job like this, the way he handled a certain situation? And that's all fair. And that'll be part of the commentary and the, the discourse of whether you like Deion Sanders or not in 2023. But that win-loss record this year has no bearing on anything. And it's not some testament to how ready they are for a job like this or for a Power 5 conference or, or any of that. Now, if they go 5-7 and seven or something surprisingly better than we thought, then I'll say, wow. Massive. He did a lot better than anybody expected in year one with a with – a, a, not a necessarily an awful group of talent, but a small group of talent. They have no more, depth. More likely to happen in 2023. More or at or more than three wins for Colorado, or they join the Big 12. I'm taking the conference realignment. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the more likely scenario by the end of the year. And look, the news usually comes out on July 4th weekend. That's what's happened the last two years. Uh, with the Big Ten and the SEC. Chad, a couple of years back, we were talking Aaron Rodgers and the offseason saga. We're still doing that, right? He's finally been traded. He's now in New York. And the stories continue to surface from Green Bay. Uh, I don't know if this is the final airing of grievances, the final primary complaints that have been thrown out there, but The Athletic did a deep dive on a, a number of things that led to Rodgers not finishing his career in Green Bay. And one of them, which The Athletic is reporting and confirming, is that, yes, in fact, David Dunn, the agent for Aaron Rodgers, did ask for Brian Gutenkus to be fired. This is after they draft Jordan Love and the entire saga about whether or not Rodgers had enough say on the roster. And he wanted more control. He wanted to be consulted on what the roster was going to be constructed of and, and with who. Ultimately, he got that. He won that. Yeah. Then he ends up getting $50 million, which he wanted last offseason. He wanted to be the highest pay. He, he got that. And now he gets what he wants, too. 
which is playing for a different organization, not playing for Brian Gutenkus, to play ball with him. Uh, Mark Murphy didn't end up firing the GM at the request of Rodgers and his agent. But this is, to me, rewinding a storyline and rehashing that detail that everyone knew was actually going on, even though Rodgers and even though he wasn't really talking that offseason, word was out that, no, he, he didn't actually ask for Gunkus to be fired. The reports are he did. But Gunkus still has his job. And not only did they not fire him, Gunkus uh, ultimately got so tired, the organization got so tired of the offseason saga that they traded away the future Pro Football Hall of Famer. This is a weird <clears throat> showdown, <clears throat> yeah, standoff, where... Never-ending. We're also where I think everyone won. Gutenkiss kept his job. Yeah. He relinquished some power. Back-to-back MVPs. He had to, you know, kind of swallow his pride with Aaron Rodgers for a time. But Aaron Rodgers got the, the control he wanted while a Packer and then eventually got out when he wanted for a different opportunity. So... It feels like everyone won, except I think so, maybe yeah. if you're a Packers fan, you don't really feel that victorious right now going into the season with Jordan Love. Uh, we'll have to ask Brooke during the break how she feels as a Packers fan about this team and the outlook moving forward without Aaron Rodgers. But Buzz down. I don't, I don't think that there's uh, a lot of love being felt about Jordan Love and the Packers' current situation. Hey, if it goes bad. But what, what just if it specifically, goes bad, Caleb Williams is there. Yeah, well, just specifically, Gutenkust and Rodgers, I think, both won the showdown in a weird way. Simply the, the fact that Gutenkust kept his job throughout all of this. Yeah. which And then Rodgers got more say. And then, and then they, if this was the NBA, how would that have gone down if oh. the star player said, get rid of the GM? <laughs> It would have happened like that, right? Immediate. That's one of the immediate. That's one of the positive differences for the NFL. I'm putting the check mark on the NFL side for that. And that doesn't happen as often in the NFL like you would see. And the, the player would also be consulted on whatever roster moves were being made, like oh, yeah. LeBron. You know, MVP caliber players. I'm talking. Oh, I'm sure the GMs, the NBA, they have to go and did, pit, they have to do a, a conference room pitch <laughs> to the star players on who they're thinking about drafting or bringing. Did you in. Uh, Did you see the quote from him on missing OTAs? And like the, uh, you know, he's receiving, uh, he's still receiving ridicule over the fact that he skipped OTAs last year. I've not seen it. When I'm all, this is uh, through a report at the Athletic. Um, same same report. Uh, when I'm in, I'm all in. And if you want to ride with off-season workouts, I want MVP without doing off-season workouts. Like, was my commitment any less then? I'd say not at all. The way I come back to work, not just physically in good shape, but mentally refreshed, is the best thing for me to have the season I wanted to have during those Green Bay years. I think it's just a cop-out written to try and find something to disparage me about that, honestly. When you look at the off-season workouts and what they're really about, it's completely ridiculous. And he's going to the, hey, look at the numbers and tell me whether or not I needed to be there. Now, Devontae Adams is traded to Las Vegas. They draft a young receiving core, and it took time. Christian, Christian Watkins, it took time for, for them to really gel. You know, he was frustrated out of, the, out of the gate with his young receiving core. And this is really the time of year where you can... I mean, he's showing up in New York for a reason, right? He's a participant in those off-season voluntary workouts. Yes, I get it. They're voluntary. But from that perspective, last offseason, a bit different for me than the seasons prior where he's had a discrepancy with whatever was going on with the front office. And he and Devontae Adams, I mean, 
When in doubt, just throw it up, and Adams is coming down with it. Hutton, you know NFL players. I know NFL players. What percentage of NFL players would echo everything that Aaron Rodgers just said about offseason activity with the team, that it's pointless and ridiculous? 99% of them can't say it. 99% of them are nervous about losing their gig. Yeah. You know? It takes an Aaron Rodgers but the quarterbacks about are normally to turn 40 there. years old that has no worries <laughs> about losing his gig. And if he does, who cares with everything he's already done? It takes him to say it. But you're right. Current players won't speak it. But in private, they're all saying this. That it's way better for them to go get ready in their own way, on their own time, and to get mentally refreshed going into a season. Now, there's probably a lot of people hearing that and thinking, man, I wish I could do that for my job. <laughs> that doesn't pay nearly as much. It's just step away for an entire, you know, four or five months and, uh, and you know, stay ready, but get mentally refreshed for it again. And I get that, but I, I think what we heard from Aaron Rodgers is reality yeah. for every player and what they're thinking about OTAs or anything they have to show up for during the offseason outside of showing up for, for training camp and getting ready for the NFL season? Uh, not a lot of news this week from the SEC spring meetings. Um, no really finality to an eight- or nine-game schedule. I think we had always circled this week as having some type of clarity there. Uh, and, I mean, uh, the headline from the week was either Eli Drinkwood's talking about NIL or it was Saban discussing the path that we're on in the future of college football but also saying from Alabama's perspective, they want to get rid of fans storming the field. Now, that's coming more through Greg Byrne than it is Saban. And to Saban's credit, he did say, quote, I never feel threatened. When, and you ask him because it's normally Alabama's the visiting team when the field is stormed yeah. most of the time. It's a, it's a uh, credit to them. It's a huge yeah, compliment right. to him and his program um, that they get stormed so many times on the road. Greg Sankey wants to, you know, in this, finding a team $250,000 or a program or a university, fans don't care about that. That doesn't affect them one bit. And I don't, I don't know how you stop this, but even Saban's admitting there's really nothing bad that happens with this. I understand, like... you. <laughs> You have general counsel who's telling you, well, nothing happened this time, but next time, be wary. Someone's going to get trampled. You know, the goalposts are going to fall on someone. Someone's going to go after a player. A player's going to go after a fan. I get all that. But this is like, you get rid of this, and you get rid of a big piece of college football that makes it fun. Uh, agree. Right? And, 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 and even Saban is saying he never feels threatened while he's trying to get off the field. Now, he is the one guy that is surrounded by state troopers getting off the field. Yep. The players are not. And there's a big difference in that. So I, None of the assistant coaches either on the staff. I, I, you know, it's Chad, just I him. Can, I can understand the argument for why it's not necessary and, and the pitfalls with it. But no fan is going to care any amount of money, uh, especially when you have your chancellor or president up in the box saying, I'll, I'll pay double for, the, for that moment at your, at your home stadium. So I, it's, it's not going away. In fact, trying to ban it, I think, over, only makes it happen even more. I mean, re remember when Vandy stormed the field and it was a uh, single-file line? Yeah. It was all the, the way down the stuff? It was the most 
Vandy way of storming the field. But even Vanderbilt fans would storm the field. It was a polite field storming. Yeah. Now, I, I can see, uh, and maybe this is kind of the parent in me also, I can look down there and see, man, there's a lot of potential sure. for someone to fall and get hurt, and I'm sure people got injured, but it's not really reported when they went down there, and, and when those goalposts come down, you better get out of the way, and I see all those things, but you hit the nail on the head, Hutton. It's a big part of college football, and one of the things we love about college football is pageantry. We love the surroundings of the game. We love the atmosphere of it, and the potential in a big upset for field for fans to storm the field is a part of that atmosphere and tradition of the sport. I don't know how you get rid of it short of putting some sort of lining the field with a fence that goes up around the field <laughs> that you know like a retractable roof or yeah. the retractable field you have in Arizona like a bridge going you over got the interstate. something that goes all the way around the field and around the stadium, right? And it just moves up like a, a moat, you know, like the bridge going down over the moat, but it just goes straight up with two minutes left in the game. And then imagine no the ridicule, Hutton, if you are the team that raises the fence slowly and then you lose. And then you lose the game. Yeah, you know, pick six or a block field goal or something. Kick but you six. had to do it. And then this, this, the saddest thing ever is the guy hitting the button to lower it after the team lost. You make the preparations with the fence that raises, then they slowly have to lower it back down if their team loses. Closing time plays as it lowers. Heartbreaking fashion. (laughs) Well, we were in Knoxville for Tennessee's win over Alabama. Can you imagine if if before they attempt the last field goal that won it, they start to raise the thing up and then it's missed (laughs) and they, you know, go into overtime and, and lose? It would be just treachery. Coming up, Tom Brady reiterates he is done playing. We'll read into and between the lines on what he said. And where is DeAndre Hopkins going to end up? We'll ask Ross Tucker that question next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Piedmont, our location with Yeeha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in uh, just a matter of minutes, Ross Tucker will join us. Former uh, NFL vet will get his take on DeAndre Hopkins' best landing spot and his, his pick, his prediction for where one of the top receivers in the league will end up. Chad, one of the top quarterbacks, I say the GOAT in Tom Brady. He's not going to play again for the Las Vegas Raiders or any other team. And that's not just per sources. That is per the source, Tom Brady. What is your message to those fans, the media, whoever it is, that's constantly concocting a way for you to come back? I'm certain I'm not playing again. So I've tried to make that clear and I I hate to continue to profess that because I've already told people that uh, lots of times, but I'm looking forward to my my broadcasting job at Fox next year. I'm looking forward to the opportunity ahead with the the Raiders and we're in the process of that along with the other different things that I'm a part of professionally and in my personal life, just spending as much time with my kids as I can and seeing them grow up and support the different things that they have going on. That's a very important job, and I take them all pretty seriously. There's Tom Brady on Tom Brady and his future. He hit on a variety of different things there that had been circulating. Like, is he really going to join Fox and and Fox NFL Sundays? Is he really going to start that contract, which is a 10-year deal, supposed to start in 2024? That's per Brady. And he, he's saying this because that was also a big question yep. about uh, maybe he's really not going to do that. Well, 
He's saying, yes, he is, and he's saying he's not coming back to play for the Raiders. He's going to be a, a, a part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. With one answer, Hutton, he was able to dispel a lot of reports that are out there because you're right about the Fox deal. That, that's been a widespread thing where he is you know, looking into it and the people are saying he's maybe not going to be a part of it, right? right? So uh, that contract. Well, and I, I mean, I was hoping, you mentioned this, you're like, I have a wish, a, a Christmas wish. Uh, we can hear you there. Yeah, uh, we, we've got you, Colin. We're hearing you um, in our ears. Yes. Uh, but the Christmas wish that you had was, Brady, please come back and play. Oh, yes. Uh, I was, especially for the Raiders. Of, of all teams, of all franchises, for Tom Brady to reemerge <laughs> as a Raider uh, for Josh McDaniels. I mean, look, that, that's the selfish me football oh, fan wanting the huge storyline. I'd love to see that happen. But you could hear the annoyance in Tom Brady's voice as he was even answering the question that don't know how more clearly I can state it that I'm done playing football, not going to happen. I'm looking forward to these other things. And you could tell he was annoyed even having to address it because he feels he's already addressed it. But there's reports out there to the contrary. But now we heard about it from the man himself. Ross Tucker joins us. He's the host of the Ross Tucker podcast. And uh, you can follow him on social, at Ross Tucker NFL. Always great to chat with you, Ross. Hope things are well, man. Yeah, everything's going great. Good to talk with you guys. I feel like I only see you at at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Good to see you and talk with you this time of year. We were mentioning yesterday, we were we were praying that Brady would actually consider coming out of retirement again. Now, just, just for the simple storyline of, oh, he's – wanting to buy into the Raiders, and then all of a sudden Jimmy G's foot is an issue, and here comes old Tom riding back in in Vegas where it was rumored he wanted to play with Gronk, and instead of owning a piece of the Raiders, he owns the quarterback position. Were, are you with us? Were, were you hoping to get more Brady? Yes, but for a very, very selfish reason. Okay. I was teammates with Tom in New England in 2005 and 2006. And every year when my daughters have their first day of school and they're like with new kids in class and they can tell those kids that their daddy played with Tom Brady, <laughs> that buys me a whole year of being a cool dad again. Like I get a whole year out of that, that I'm a cool dad because I play with Brady. So I told them they're 11 and nine. I, I only needed nine more years, but uh, Tom is selfish and decided <laughs> to do what he with his life as opposed to doing what's best for me and my relationship with my daughters. Where is the best landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins? And ultimately, do you think it pairs up with where he actually will sign? So I, I love... Uh, situations like this because we're really about to see what he's made of, right? Like we're about to see what his priorities are because I'm quite sure Kansas city and Buffalo would take him. And in particular, Kansas city guys, since when can you go on the defending super bowl champs team in June and probably be the number one wide receiver playing with the best quarterback in the league? That just doesn't happen, but that's, a very real possibility for him. The problem is they don't have a whole lot of money, uh, which is why I actually think the most likely team right now for him is the Cleveland Browns. And here's why, guys. Obviously, he's got a really good relationship with Deshaun Watson. 
They were fantastic together in Houston. The Browns do have money. The Browns could use another receiver. You know, they traded for Elijah Moore. Okay. They have Amari Cooper as a good player. They could really use one more. And here's the kicker. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach for the Browns. Andrew Barry, the GM for the Browns. They probably need to win this year. I mean, three years ago, they made the playoffs. That Baker Mayfield won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. They actually had the Chiefs on the ropes. So my boy Chad Henney came in and got the job done when Mahomes was hurt. But the last two years haven't been good. Back-to-back losing seasons. Haven't made the playoffs. Now it's like, okay, we got Deshaun Watson for the full year now. There's no excuse. And we're paying him a boatload of money. We gave him a crazy contract. Gave up all these draft picks. The Browns guys kind of have to make it work this year. And so it's kind of like when the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. The Jets gave up all that for Rodgers because Joe Douglas, the GM, and Salah, the head coach, are on the hot seat going into this year. They're going to make the playoffs now with Rodgers. They're going to get contract extensions. Same thing holds true for the Browns. I think the Browns are going to be able to offer DeAndre Hopkins a lot more money than the Chiefs and the Bills. And when that happens, guys, a lot of times players start to think, well, I think the Browns could do it. Like if they had me with Deshaun for the whole year, that O-line, we could win the whole thing. The more money a team offers a guy, the more they talk themselves into believing that that team has a chance to win the whole thing. Doesn't it feel, Ross, like the Browns are kind of the forgotten team in the NFL in a weird way with all the talk of Deshaun Watson last offseason? If you just say, you know, best quarterbacks in the AFC and start going down the list, you go a little while before you get to Deshaun Watson on that list. They, they trade for Zadarius Smith. They've got Miles Garrett on defense. DeAndre Hopkins specifically mentioned wanting to play with a powerhouse defense on a team also. Um what about this Browns team with or without DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, they're very talented, but I feel like it's just not a team that we're really talking about. So you've laid out the expectations being high for those guys to keep their jobs. I'm not quite sure what expectations are from the outside of the Browns c- coming into this season. Well, what's fascinating about it is the last time Deshaun Watson played a full season, now that was 2020, but he was a top five quarterback in the NFL. Yep. And I think the Browns said, you know what? We got to go against Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen. We either have a guy that can hang with those guys or what are we even doing here? And so that's why they made the big move to get Watson. And it's funny because you're right. One year after the Browns were by far the most talked about team all offseason, now this year, they're one of the least talked about teams. They're probably very happy about that, by the way. But you look at it, most people have them in dead last in the AFC North, which is why I think they're going to surprise some people. I kind of like they're over on their season win total bets. Deshaun Watson cannot be as bad as he was at the end of the year last year. He's still a young man. I just don't believe that. Now that they have the full year with him, he's out there from the start. I think the Browns could really surprise some people, especially if they got Hopkins to compliment Cooper and Elijah Moore in the slot. So, Ross, I thought it was common knowledge that Aaron Rodgers wanted Brian Gutenkus fired uh, back in 2021, but now with the report 
uh, from The Athletic. We know specifics about that. Was this the rare standoff where really almost everyone got what they wanted? Aaron Rodgers got the money, then he got out when he wanted, and Brian Gutenkist, he got to keep his job throughout this whole thing. What, what, what do you make of the standoff between the two and now where it sits? Well, you know what I always think about first? I, I always think, like, how fast would I have gotten cut if I ever said I wanted the GM fired? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, who says they want the GM fired and then they're the quarterback for two more years? Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're on the team for two more years. Think about how good you have to be. If you want an to, MVP to at quarterback, you want the GM Ross, you fired. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You could have done it. And you it. know what's really funny? Like in the NBA, they would have oh, done yeah. it. The NBA, they would have fired the GM. Like those guys, those guys can go like this and get GMs fired. Um, I don't know that I would say. On some level, I think everybody got what they want. Right? They wanted to win a Super Bowl or at least get to one. Uh, I think Rodgers. I know he did not want to go out on these terms kind of interesting isn't it the way brady went out from his career probably the, his worst year of his career across the board wins and losses the way he played i never wanted to see tom play like he did last year it was a bummer for me as a former teammate of his and then rogers to lose at home in the last game of the year with a playoff berth on the line to the lions i mean that's a bad way for it to end for him in Green Bay. So it certainly didn't end the way he wanted it to. And he is funny because I've never seen anybody that goes so out of their way to say that they don't care about what's being said about them, but always knows what's being said about them and feels like they need to, you know, Ian Rappaport, the chef don't know anything about me, or like he calls the guy back from the athletic to give his side of the story. He's he's uh it's an interesting dichotomy there. Like it can't to me, you can't really have it both ways. You can't say you don't care and then make it that clear that you read every word and when you have a chance to retort, you do, right? But that's the way Rogers is. The honeymoon period is alive and well in New York. We'll see if that continues a few weeks into the season. Right now, everybody's getting what they want in New York. I know that because I mentioned earlier, I think the GM and the head coach are getting contract extensions. And I think Woody Johnson selling a lot of season tickets and a lot of luxury boxes, which is what he wanted. Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker podcast. You can follow him on social at Ross Tucker NFL. MyFrontPageStory.com. Ross, you say this is the best gift ever. Why? Well, so we talked about it at the Super Bowl before Valentine's Day, if you'll remember. And so now we have the next big holiday coming up where nobody knows what to get their dad for Father's Day. Literally nobody knows what to get their dad for Father's Day. And I know for a fact, everybody watching or listening, your dad loves the newspaper. I don't know a single dad that doesn't love the newspaper. <laughs> so true. Get him a story written all about him. Let your dad get the front page treatment for once. Think about this. You and your siblings talk to a writer for, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, they write the most unbelievable story about your dad. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's framed. It's beautiful. And I know most dads don't cry. I'm just telling you, your dad will probably cry when he reads it. Like when, when he reads the quotes and thinks that you like hired some writer, which I guess you're doing, to write this story about how awesome he is as a dad, 
He will cry and he'll tell you it's his favorite Father's Day gift ever. I'm just telling you, myfrontpagestory.com, myfrontpagestory.com. Chad, you've I mean, you're looking for a reason to cry on Father's Day, right? Uh, look, uh, usually, you know, it just takes uh, uh, certain movies. Maybe I watch Field of Dreams to get the tears going. But now, if uh, you know, my children may be a little young to pick this out, but I may be sending some links as a, <laughs> as a suggestion for this. I'm actually going to the website right now, possibly for, for my dad, Ross. So this is a great idea. I love it. Honestly, it's awesome. Nobody really knows what to get their dad. And um, what I like the most about it, probably, it's framed – so they hang it up in their house. Then anytime you visit, anytime you go, it's like, to me, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. My mom is 70. Well, I shouldn't say that, but my mom is 70 something. And you go to her townhouse, you know, everybody that age has like a townhouse. It's right there in like the family room, dining room, kitchen room, whatever that, whatever they call that, like all in one room. It's right there. Proof that my sister and I love her. Ross Tucker, always great. Appreciate the time, man. Let's catch up again soon. Of course, fellas. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, check out the Ross Tucker podcast as well. Always entertaining, is, uh, packed with info and opinion. Really cool idea for uh, Mother's Day or Father's Day. But, I know uh, what Chad's getting. $50, $49.99 or ninety nine ninety nine for Front Page Plus. It's actually a pretty solid idea. I'm sold. Ross did a good job with the pitch. Maybe it's going to be a parting gift from Skip Bayless to Shannon Sharp, <laughs> who's out on Undisputed. Uh, we'll discuss that It will that not next. hang in his foyer, that's for sure. This is Hot Mike. Diana Rossini says the Patriots are highly interested in DeAndre Hopkins. We will ask Armando Salguero about that report coming up in about 30 minutes. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Another forgotten team, the New England Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one I put on the list of not, not getting a lot of buzz about that Patriots team going into this year. I think Mac Jones has a big a piece of that. A lot of teams not buzzing originally as originally thought for Hopkins. It sounds like teams are – kind of waiting to see what the market's like before jumping headfirst, diving headfirst in. I even read somewhere where uh, they're not ruling out a return to the Texans. Yeah, they, that's out there today, too. Yeah, That, that would be, be a money grab, right? Uh, yes. And probably a uh, he really likes it in Houston type thing. <laughs> like the city. Also, I, and I realize like he's been in Arizona. Um, it's a bad organization. Texans, where he was traded from. Bad organization. Top down. Now they've restructured a bit, but still, I don't know how he goes back to Houston after saying that that was a priority for him. Would be odd, uh, given his stance against yeah. the, the franchise. Chad, I, I, don't, I don't know if we could say we saw this coming because it, Shannon Sharp's leaving undisputed with Skip Bayless on FS1. A, uh, the, the buyout has been agreed to, uh, reported by the Post. And look, uh, this, I guess, stems from the DeMar Hamlin day after show, where during the DeMar Hamlin collapse on Monday Night Football, uh, Bayless is tweeting, like, how can you cancel the game? you got to get back out there and play the game. Um, and then Shannon Sharp went on the next day and said he wished that Bayless would take down the tweet. Would have deleted the tweet, which Bayless said no. Um, and then... Shannon Sharp got upset for being interrupted. You never let me finish. You always interrupt me. Marcellus Wiley, I believe, came on the show shortly thereafter and said, like, yeah, you can see there, the, the friction is going to be more than just tension. 
there's a breakup coming. Yeah, there, there, was, there were issues. You could yeah. feel it in the room, the tension between the two. Now, Shannon Sharp has since liked a few tweets today. Okay. He has not confirmed anything, but he seems to be confirming some things through his tweets uh, that he's liked. One tweet that he liked uh, reads, their relationship got progressively worse over the last two, maybe three years because Skip fought for him to be on that show, but I feel like Skip couldn't sta- stand Shannon succeeding without, without him, and that's when Skip was taking pot shots on air about Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp liked that tweet. Another one that he likes says, FS1 keeping Bayless and losing Jenny Taft and Shannon Sharp is like a music promoter keeping Weird Al Yankovic but getting rid of Lady Gaga and James Brown. He liked that one also. That would lead you to believe that he's being forced out or his contract's not being renewed uh, with FS1. So I guess stay tuned for an official announcement. Uh, But there's been nothing official regarding Shannon Sharp. The reports are that he's... He's stepping aside, or he's being I, asked to leave, or something's something's going on. We talked about it at the time, Hutton, and I, I I just felt like, yeah, I I get that you know you're upset with someone, but you got to show up to work. You know, my whole yeah. thing with Shannon Sharp was I on a day like that. Yeah, that, that's that a Tuesday. big day for your show. Yeah, after that, like you can't because but, you're mad at someone's tweet. You you know show, but but since on then the he, show, I, I feel yeah, like that was probably you know that that's not the way I would have handled that, and that's the way most people in in media wouldn't they wouldn't handle it that way. It's more than just the Demar Hamlin thing because by that Friday, Demar of, Hamlin surely. was released, right? He was transferred to a different hospital, or we got word that everything was made a turn for the better, right? And since then, we know how things have ended in a very positive way. Um, and also since then, Shannon Sharp's been on the show. They've, I mean, he's staying on, according to reports, through the NBA Finals, which, which could go through, what, June 18th, I think? But maybe not. Uh, they start tonight. It could be over in four for all, yeah. you know, for, based on the way Vegas Shannon Sharp's probably hoping for a sweep but, at this point. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so um, can get out. Who would be good to replace him? Because they had been, I, I, it doesn't feel like it's been this long. Their first show together on FS1 was 2016. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago that Bayless left ESPN Isn't and Stephen crazy? A. Smith on first take. Seven years. I know. They've been a show. Yeah, That's a I, long run who, together. Who would – we mentioned Marcellus Wiley. I, I mean, he's got the connection with FS1 yeah, the there. One, I'm thinking about just friction yeah. between two people that you want to create on a show like that. Say it. Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that would be great. I think Kendrick Perkins Scotty and, Pippen. and Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah. But I mean <laughs> – Scotty doesn't. Well, I guess you know. I, I, I'm thinking more of the to, to go in there and debate Skip Bayless every day. Yeah, you got to be sort of a fast talker, ready to go, and ready to go. That's not really Kendrick Perkins or Scotty Pippen in terms um, of fast talker. But I think Kendrick Perkins would say en- enough things that would would rile Antonio Skip Brown. Up. Antonio Brown has already put his name in the hat. That would be something. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'd have to move it to HBO. Maybe it goes with Lil Wayne. Bayless is tight with him. Yeah. Lil Wayne would be show. a nice nice one. That, it does feel like it's almost time. Like I, we're, I, I immediately think about you know an African-American ex-athlete yeah. to fill the spot of, of Shannon Sharp. But this would be a good opportunity to go outside the box. That would certainly be one. But someone from entertainment, uh, a comedian, if someone yeah, – I, I think I mean, about Jay Moore, who's a stand-up comic turned sports guy. You know, someone like that that – 
would be different um, to go against Skip Bayless. The other, the other host that I think would be great for what they do is Ray Lewis. Yeah. For what that show is, Ray would come in prepared if he's all in. Um, and again, he, would, he could debate anything with the, the same fire and energy that that type of show is looking for. He, right? would, he would bring the same, it's the same, like, same energy as Shannon Sharp. Yeah, same energy as Shannon Sharp, Stephen A., Mad Dog. Like it, that's what that show feeds off of across the table from Skip Bayless, who's going to do the same antics. Whether or not he actually believes half the stuff he says, I'm not sure about. Manufactured, and some of it, fake debate. But that's what pulls some numbers for FS1. Yeah. Russell on the YouTube chat says, Clay Travis should replace Shannon Shaw. Clay would crush it, He'd have to take a pay cut. (laughs) Coming up, Urban Meyer and NIL.